2: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: Good evening. Welcome to episode of the Under the Helmet Podcast. As I mentioned off the air just now, I posted in our Facebook group, which is Full Semi Pro, that what could fit Semi Pro? I asked a question. We had dozens of answers, dozens of answers, but yet. The next question I posted was, well, okay, you know, come on, we can talk about it and try to work the plan. Nope. Very few people took up because everybody has a bunch of say, and not too many people want to fix it. They just want to run their mouths. But these two people who, right now who actually do want to fix it, Greg Brock from the Mississippi Dynasty, and you, of course, our own member of the family, Matt Keller. Good evening, fellas.
4: Good evening. How you doing?
3: Not bad. Greg, to you? You have played semi-pro for different teams in and around the great state of Mississippi. What is the biggest lie you hear from any player, coach, or team? I mean, most
4: most teams get players coming out based off film. And then when you ask them about the film at the end of the season, they don't have it. So, you got a lot of lies going like, okay, we got players going this place, we got players going this place, but nobody can provide the film. So film is a big thing.
3: Now, Matt, as someone who is a, ooh, you're a recruiter, you're a player, you're a coach, you're a head coach now of a high school team, what's the biggest lie you've heard in the semi-pro world and why does it keep happening? Um.
4: The biggest lie. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of players say I'm the, I'm the best player here. I'm the best player here, and they're not living up to you. That's, that's the big. That's the biggest lie. And then the other thing too is that it's always all all the owners' fault when it's not. And I, I have to be totally honest about that because a lot of, a lot of stuff is on the owners, but the owners take a lot of flack for lazy players too. Because you got some players who ain't going to come to practice, they ain't going to pay fees, stuff like that. And then uh, when they get tired and put a plug on, then it's the owner's fault. It ain't
3: always the only fault. Now, Greg, do you? Like, some of it does fall in owners but you also are a veteran. How have you seen players change?
4: I mean, it just depends on the program they're involved with. Like me. I've been involved in programs where I was once young and just out there playing football. So, and me, my development changed and trying to groom guys and know exactly what's going on in the world of semi pro. Trying to get the guys to understand that everything is bigger than them, it's about a team goal. And I honestly was blessed to get with the dynasty and, and grow further into the semi pro mindset of one big goal rather than individual goals. So, I mean, it just just depends on the player and how they feel about their environment that they're in. If they feel good about their environment, they're going to grow and mold to the people that they're surrounded by. If it's a bad environment, you can't expect that player to grow into nothing but what he's surrounded in.
3: Now, Matt, you are in a hotbed of football activity being in eastern Alabama, along the Georgia border. In that area, there is uh, an abundance of semi-pro teams. There is always constant between players from different teams. Have you seen a player go to a team based on a lie? You will tell them, "Hey, you're being sold a the dream." They go anyway, but then months later, they come back and say, "Well, you're right."
4: Yeah, yeah, I've seen that happen plenty of times before. Yeah, I've, no. I've seen it happen all the time, all the time between no. teams. Uh huh. And you, you know, you get—I've seen it happen to high school kids. I've seen it happen to my pro. I've seen it happen in college, and then folks will be calling you back like, "Man, you tried to tell them. You tried to tell them. Yeah, I did. <laughs>
3: Now, Matt, do you lose respect for that person even though you gave them the best piece of life they can and they still were too dumb to take it? No,
4: nope, because the best teacher in life is the best teacher have life. Sometimes <laughs> you can't even be mad at them. You know, I can tell you that's so hot, but sometimes he ain't going to listen to you. Now,
3: without mentioning, go ahead, Greg. I
4: don't even be, I don't even be mad with them a lot of times. Like, when they come back and to I'm like, man, that
3: crazy ain't. I <laughs> now, Greg, has that happened to you? Like somebody, you gave a piece of advice to somebody and they just refused to listen?
4: Yeah, I had that happen a couple times. Like, But I respect decisions because they feel like they don't what's best for them. But when they come back and talk to me, I be like, man, I tried to explain it to you and tell you, you know, the grass ain't always green on the other side. So, I mean, I just tell people, do what's best for you in the long run. If you feel like it's best for you, go ahead and try it. If it's not, hey, right, try again somewhere else.
3: Matt, when you look at it, do you look at the, the rosters of current players in the league, and you know you know that there are players who should be playing more, but they don't, but they just want to kind of uh, greatly train onto a winner and not have to bust their behind to actually make an average team great. Yep. You, I mean, it's it's, it's a lot of guys, um, and they just in the AP Diff. It's simply what kind of the
4: they can be a major contributor or lead on something. But they'll they'll ride the coach tail somewhere else, and they'll say, "Oh, I ain't got to, I ain't got to do do too hot." I'm a firm believer in iron sharpens iron. Wherever you go, that uh, like Chris said, the mentality of a uh, uh, change because sometimes supposed to be they're going to do exactly what they what they are uh, being exposed to.
3: Now, when we come back from Greg, I want to ask Greg a similar question, but we need to quickly step out. You are listening to the Under the Helmet podcast on the FPC radio network
4: Computer solitaire, huh?
2: Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase over by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: We are back with on podcast, Terrence Biggs, Matt Kelly, Greg Brock. Greg, when it's great, semi-pro is the best. One of the best parts about the football experience. But when it's bad, it's awful. What is the worst experience you've had dealing with a team in semi-pro as far as being a player?
4: As far as being a player, showing up to games where you only have 15, 16 people and you got to play a whole game versus a man, a man, a roster of 35, 40 people. And then there's guys that don't want to be dedicated to actually show up for practice and show up for the games when they're supposed to. Like, it's crazy, man. You'll have, like, even in the past year, even this past season, I've seen teams show up to games where exactly 14, 15 people. And I'm like, it's not worth it at that point because you've beaten your body up. Even though it's for the love game, it's not worth it because you've beaten your body up for guys that's not there to try to make the playoffs. And then when they make the playoffs, they want to come back in like they've been there the whole season. So that's one of the bad things about semi-pro is the things that the guys that actually want to be there and versus the guys that just want to have a name.
3: No. Matt, similar question to you. You have been around, you have played for the Chiefs, you have played for the predators. What is your worst experience as far as dealing with semi-pro knuckleheads?
4: Alright. I ain't gonna say no names. Of course not. They 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 in the group, but the little people that they, know me for a long time are gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. There was a owner. So team, they were not showing up. They were not doing nothing, and they called our team that we had over in Monk, in, in, uh, in Alabama. We we told them we'll come to play because our season hasn't started yet. You know, it was good to get us good work, all that good stuff. And so we were we were all for it. Now this team at the point when we came over was a long shot from the playoffs and I think they were 0-4, 0-5, and, and, and only had scored one time all season. They had just getting blasted. Well, we came in, got them up and running, uh, and made the playoffs and got them all the way to the championship, went on a, on a great run. Well, championship game came. The entire team came back and decided they were going to play. And they owner was like, yeah, I need to go and let them play stuff stuff like that. And we looked at him, and he was like, man, well, i tell you what, let me just let them start off on, in the first quarter and stuff like that just rotate y'all in until eventually I got all y'all in and stuff like that, and we'll win and stuff like that. We decided we were going to walk off and we left and left him there. And then he called us some busters, and we were messed up for that and all that other stuff, but – Let's not forget, you wouldn't even be in this position if it hadn't been for my team, because you didn't use none of your players, absolutely none, from quarterback down. And uh, they kind of gonna know who I'm
3: talking about. It might be I, a think, lot later. I think I, I think I know who. <laughs> I think I have an idea of who, and we'll definitely discuss that at a later date. But, Greg, let me ask you this. Playing in the it's a different standard. It's a different league. You have different things as far as there are high-quality teams, but there are also teams in the league that seem to fall short of expectations. Yeah. If you, what would you change about this league? You say, what would I change?
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I, I try to separate the league from, like, i try to make it two leagues where the teams that normally don't succeed, I'll make a bracket for them to actually start a, organi- a winning organization versus teams around their average level. And the teams that over a season, i put them in a bracket so it'll make a t- – it'll be like the SEC West versus the SEC East. And then once you get a champion out of both sides, you can just call – you can play for the crowning king of the APDFL. Rather than have a team go five and five and miss the playoffs, you can put them in a bracket of their own, and they probably go seven and seven and three and make the playoffs.
3: Matt, what would you do? What would be the one thing to fix the parity issue?
4: Uh, that kind of, i am kind of with Greg on that. Yeah,
3: you kind of—you
4: uh, kind of create create that thing. Uh you can have you I know there's been discussion before about division one and division two. And you 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 have the teams like newer programs where you're not really sure where they're gonna be at. And like you said, get a chance to and but not just uh beat them out of submission and be like, all right, holler at you. Got your money and I think that would create a longevity if people could really build what they um uh, what they trying to start at. So I, yeah, I, like I, feel that. like I feel like that'll that'll take that'll take some of the fire from other people that know they got a know they got a decent team but not a good enough team to compete with the the, the well organized team. So that'll give them right. a chance to get get their feet up under them and see what all they need to do to be able to compete.
3: Right. I agree with that because I think that if you have an upper and a lower bracket, or a division one and division two bracket, it would stop so many of the average to subpar teams from wrecking schedules. Because how many times, Greg, have you seen, or how many times have you got your stuff together to go play a team only to have them forfeit? so many times,
4: especially when they get close to playoff times and they're not making the playoffs, they just say forget the season, and that's hard on a team that's in the playoffs trying to stay, you know, in football ready to shape, and football mind. So that is, that would help a lot.
3: Now, Matt, similar question, but as someone involved with the player, the what would be the equivalent of a players' union? What changes would you make to uh, to stop so many forfeits. Um, it's it's hard. It's it, 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 it
4: kind of it's kind of hard, but we got to figure out some real life penalties for forfeits. Especially like Greg said, for the end of the season, a lot of teams try to tuck it in instead of playing with pride and finishing out the season. At, at oh, just, like the phantoms.
3: At, huh? Oh, I kind of like the phantoms.
4: Yeah, yeah. Like I'm too. Much, I I got too much respect for the game and pride in myself to be like, hey man, even if even if we gotta tough it out, I'm gonna still I'm gonna still play. I made a commitment to the team uh, to play, and I don't want to do it like this. But I always tell my kids, uh, kids that I help with recruiting services and stuff like that, like look, you. A coach asks a uh, pro coach, college coach, always asks about your character. That's the first thing they ask about. And sports teach a lot of life lessons. So if you fold, fold on your team. You're not about you're not about but what does they say about you? Going to do with your family and everything else, man? Because I, I look at that sometimes. You know, if it's circumstances beyond your control, I understand. But you ain't playing just because. Oh, damn, we ain't gonna make the playoffs anyway. I look at that like, shoot, so if, you, if life get tough, you just gonna walk out on your folks, on your family. So it's got I mean, to have I mean, you can look at it like that, but at the yeah. same time, yeah, things don't get tough. But the team is gonna go how the owner, the head coach, and the rest of the ste- coaches, staff go. If That's they show support in they guys, they gonna finish the season strong. Like I tell you, no, like the hell city hellcat. Like, I thought yeah. they was going to fold the season, but they didn't. They finished the season like they wanted to finish. So, I mean, it's all about how the owner and the head coach is handling their position as, as on the team. Because I kid you not, with the Magnolia State Knights, Iron Bickham is the owner. And if he asks his guys to line up and go play ball, they going to go play ball for him. Mike Lord, the owner of the dynasty. If he asks his guys to strap up, they gonna go play ball. It don't matter if it's playoff time or just preseason time. That's how much because they respect and really want to make sure their owner name is out there in a good way. Like it's all based off how they treat their guys. And see, that's what I like about that. I, you know, I respect Mike. Uh, there's a lot of teams that I don't play against, but. You know, I read stuff, I see about it, I, I watch, you I hear interact act on the thing. And if something things get amazing, I'd be like, yeah, man, that's that, that's, man, that's real life uh, right there. Yeah. And you got And you absolutely right. Folks on the team, I'm a strong believer. When you start something or you do doing something, folks on the going to take it as serious as you take it. If you want some followers, you better be taking it serious. So if the owners ain't good, you absolutely right. You're going to be in a world of hurt because it ain't going to happen like you want it to happen. Exactly like man. Like most people don't look at it like if you take your team out there and it's, it's your team fifth year in existence and you got them in baggy uniforms, downgraded, like you can't have them looking good for nothing. Nobody wanna come and be a part of your program. Because of the simple right. fact you you don't even have the things to be impressive from the eye candy. Yep. Like you got to take pride I, I, in what you're doing. I look at, and like you just said, I look at little things. Did you Did you spend the extra ten dollars to make sure your uniform look nice? Do you uh, Do you Do everybody Everybody helmet the same colors? Do you organize or something like that? You know, when I played with the Chiefs, folks always talk about, "Oh man, y'all Y'all had to together." Yeah, man, we had everything, but we had it laid out months ahead of time. Yeah, we had windbreaker suits. We had travel shirts. Everybody wore college shirts or you had to dress like you went on a business trip. You had to be at uh, the bus at a certain time. We had all types of stuff. You, if you weren't riding the bus, that day we basically required everybody, if you weren't riding the bus, you better tell them why you weren't riding the bus. You know, if you had to work later or somebody like that, we needed to know. And um, I, that All that little called, stuff like right that created a good environment to speed in. So, I'm always on that
3: I, I, I one. I'm from you on it. Because as we try to build, we're trying to build a platform where similar pros can get fixed. And like I said, I saw so many people talk, and no one has solutions because everybody wants to just talk to hear themselves talk. And you have people saying, well, you know, the player's this, the player's that, and the owner's this, the owner's that. Honestly, there comes a point where if you are an owner, and if you throw money into a team, and if you have asset, the league, no matter what league it is, has to look at you and say, you know what, you're not putting off a product if you can only show up with, like, 16 players or if you have to forfeit three times in the season. Yeah, honestly, if you forfeit three times in the season, no matter what league you play, you should be done. Yeah. yeah. But you but, got
4: some league. We got some leagues that's willing to allow a team to have three four percent a season and still continue to play. And that's what that's what's wrong with them pro.
3: I mean, it's up there with another issue I can't stand, uh, Matt, is preseason games. I don't understand why Matt, explain it to me. If teams from different leagues want to play the games, it should count. Preseason games don't solve anything. You have a limited amount of hits in your body as a football player, a limited amount. Why are you going to waste them in exhibitions? Go ahead,
4: Corey, go ahead. I understand what you're saying uh, on not wasting snaps, but sometimes you have to have your preseason game when you get your new people in. Like you want to see exactly where their head is at within football and then you try to get some guys mixed in with your old guys so they can try to roll so they can try to model them into the player they need to be. And you know that's the only reason I see preseason games being existing. To help see where everybody level of thinking is. Now having five, six preseason games, now that's just too much. I honestly think within two to three preseason games you'll know exactly what you have.
3: Yep. No, no, Greg, do you agree? No. That was great, but this makes yeah. Just, sorry, Matt. Uh, uh, sorry, Matt, do you agree?
4: Yeah. I, you know, one or two preseason games I think fine uh prime and Say, yeah, I'm I'm a hit the, uh a football team now. My middle school program is not playing a football game. They I had teams offer stuff like that and uh, I'm not running them out there. My varsity. Now they playing. They playing a middle school game. If they had two. They they could have did. I told one. And it, and it's one of those. And it's gonna be more of a controlled scrimmage. And it's it's like okay, I'm gonna work out all the keys because we we start off right in the fire a week later. And I don't. I told their coach. I, I know you don't want to lose nobody to a week before the season starts. And I don't want to lose nobody a week before the season starts. Now, that's a hard one. There's no reason to play a half a season in preseason and then try to play uh, 15 more games. Yeah, that's that's
3: ridiculous. Now, we'll, we'll like to finish off on a football note. This is a question. Greg, as a linebacker, what's the hardest you've ever been hit? Like the one hit, you can look back and say, you know what? I might want to sit down the next play. Like, has anyone ever hit you where you actually question your role or just on a team where you got hit that hard?
4: Oh, yeah. It had been. Uh, I was playing with the Bayou Vikings uh, my first year playing just in the GDFL playoffs. And uh, we played a team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And uh, man, kind of, man, man, man. <laughs> yeah, a pulling guard came around there and gave me the sweet chin music. And I had to sit down and think about Think about a few plays. Man, the the Thunder was a whole nother beast out there. Now,
3: Matt, you have hit people to the point where you have broken ribs a few times. But what's the hardest you can remember, like, somebody laying you out?
4: Oh, I can tell you exactly when that was. I I got two. And uh, both these boys went on to the, the NFL to play. My senior year of high school, I was receiving receiver a safety. And Derrick March. Marks, you know who that is? Play for the yeah, players. from Auburn. Yeah, me and ended up at Auburn together. Well, we played each other. Before we both came to Auburn, our senior year, we played each other in the playoffs. And I came around on a, on a, on a wide receiver reverse. And dare did not go with the, the motion of the play. He was sitting. And I never saw him. Next time I looked up, my feet were in the air and the ball was going the other way. Uh, and then my freshman year at Auburn, you know, I I thought I was a pretty good player, and uh, there was a guy named Ronnie Brown that was famous. Oh Lord! And I and I was gonna go head up with Ronnie Brown when he came through on um, on a power play, and I thought I was low enough to hit him in the thigh. He cracked my visor, knocked my helmet off, and busted my lip as he kept running
3: when I tried to heal oh,
4: it. Wow. Hardest oh. two hits I've ever seen in my life.
3: <laughs> it's funny because as a fan and just as one covers the sport, one of the hardest hits actually I saw was an Auburn player. This is a name that Matt remembers, but Greg might want to Rose- you know, think of it. There's a guy named Junior Rose Green.
4: So Junior Rose Green.
3: He, I thought he murdered a player on the field. I thought that they were about to cancel football forever. He hit this receiver named Reggie Brown from the University of Georgia. Reggie Brown's face was in the ground. Like, his helmet was face, his face down. He didn't move. I thought he was dead. I literally waited for him to get up. Like, oh, a rocket. Huh? Huh?
4: I'm crazy about that because I was on the team that year. Reggie Brown's mother came out the stands crying because she thought Reggie was dead. She was at the game. And imagine being a parent and you see your kid just laying there, he ain't moving. And Junior, Julia knew he hit him. Junior laid him out and Junior <laughs> Julia walked off. And folks don't understand this about Rose Green. Rose Green, he was one. He was like a big brother me at Auburn. Still cool stuff like that. He's a bodybuilder now. He stayed in the waiting room. And even at that practice, that's what he lived for. You come across the nipples, he wanted to destroy you. He used to tell the corners and the nipples, don't worry about no slants and posts because they're not going to catch em. And prime example of how hard, folks, if you go back and watch the game when we played Tennessee that year, he when he played, we played Tennessee twice that year. Reggie Brown had six interceptions in two games. Because the receivers would not come across the middle. And
3: I, uh, I thought he was dead. Like, I thought that yeah. he wasn't. I'm like, oh, and I, I got scared for his family, but I got scared for. They were like, I've lost football forever. He killed this man on TV. He was gone. Like, his body did not move. He was face down. His arms went limp. Like, oh. he yeah. he he
4: uh he was He was not somebody to to uh, you want to go. I mean, even in in practices, running backs, quarterbacks, receivers, nobody was trying to be hit by Rose Green.
3: Like, I'm going to lie. I was scared. I was scared for that man, his family, and the future of football. I thought that football was the end right there. I thought that Junior Rose Green killed football. <laughs> I was – I mean, I'm going to – after we have this, I'm going to post a clip uh, on the – On my regular Facebook, but Greg Brock, Matt Kelly, as always, fellas, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Under the Helmet.
4: All right,
3: take it easy. This has been another episode of Under the Helmet. Be good to yourselves, be good to each other.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
4: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
4: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home
1: the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs)